This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast has a sponsor. Hotspur Publishing has given us 10 promo codes for their latest release. Hook, Blind, and Stinker, part of the comedic science fiction Eat Fish and Die series. This is Military SF Comedic. If you'd like a promo code, we'll be giving some away on Twitter. Tweet at me, at SFF Audio. Tell me the part of the episode you liked the most, or liked the least, and I will send you a promo code. We will also accept comments on the podcast post. Here's a trailer for the series. Warning, this is not a paranormal urban fantasy romance. Stuck on a small planetoid, we find Major Joaquin Merlo. He's the military equivalent of a street sweeper defending Earth against an alien race of stinking fish-like creatures. His odds of making it back alive are only 1 in 16, but that doesn't matter. He's been issued a handy-dandy battle-ready android with the firepower of an entire platoon. The only problem? You can't let the android think too much. Too much thinking, you see, can upset it. And there's the rub. Since everyone thinks most of the time, how can you figure out when it's too much? Eat Fish and Die, a short story series written by S. Ron Mars and narrated by Eric Pollins, with a guest appearance in episode one by John Pio. Download it today for under a buck. You'll be sorry if you don't. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. And we're going to talk about Ringworld. A 1970 science fiction novel by Larry Niven. I should say hard science fiction novel by Larry Niven. Uh, Easy to read, maybe? I don't know. I think some people can't get into it. I think a lot of people have a problem with it nowadays. Um, But I still think, uh, having read it several times over the years, I guess, at least three times, it's still a really good book. Really, really good. Amazing book, really. Um, did you fellows agree? I I thought it was a I thought it was a very good book. Um, story wise, there were there were <laughs> I did have issues with it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously. Um, um, but I, I I actually as I went along, I was liking it better. Paul, um, this is the classic uh, big dumb object and big dumb object book. And all that stuff I still rem- I fell into fondly. The characterization stuff I did not see the first couple times I read this back in the day. Yeah, some of the characterization really s- jumped out on me. I've changed. The book hasn't changed. I've changed. And it's like, ah. Oh, my God. Really? I don't remember this. Yeah, now. Oh, bad. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I was thinking about that going in because, you know, we live in very sensitive times. Um, everybody has to, you know, uh, be given their proper due and all that stuff. Uh, I don't I, I don't even really know what I'm talking about because I don't really understand that political correctness that is so, so strong. What I like is, like, don't treat people meanly. Um, and he makes jokes in here that are... Um, totally unacceptable in modern society um there's that famous scene that uh i think every review that doesn't like this book which is pretty much all of them (laughs) recent um sites where uh tila's um uh upset and crying and and the it starts with the thing for some reason uh she was one of the few women 
who crying doesn't make ugly. Yeah. 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 Makes everybody mad. Um, and, and I think there's something. There's another one. Yeah. As a good luck charm, you're fired. Smile. We need you. We need to, you to keep me happy. So I don't rape Nessus. Well, that's in the same scene. That's in the same scene. Yeah. And that, so I don't rape Nessus. That's a rape joke, right? So yeah. that's unacceptable. Um, however, I think I can defend both of them very effectively. For one thing, and I know that some reviewers uh, pointed out, but it doesn't seem to have the effect that they want it to. Um, he's actually trying to make her laugh. What Larry Niven doesn't show very much is the characters laughing. Um, although I just picked a page at random and it does say, uh, Tila laughed. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but dramatically. <laughs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> they, he doesn't show them laughing very much, but he does show the responses. And she does sort of regain her confidence because she had just been um, almost killed for the first time in her life. This is a point that's made out through the, through the book. And, you know, uh, we sort of learn more as, I guess, Louis figures it out. But the one of the other criticisms that goes right along with the, the how sexy it is, how inappropriate racist, uh, not racist jokes, uh, how inappropriate race, uh, rape jokes are, which, of course, you know, r- making rape jokes is, it's not nice. We got that. But um, one of the things that that's happening in that scene is the opposite of what most people accuse this book of. They say things like, um, she's a damsel in distress. Um, she is in distress and Louis gives up on her, right? She's about to be sucked into outer space through that, uh, hole in the, in the bottom of the ring world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks down and he says, there's no way to save her. And that's not, you know, being, you know, rescued. How does she survive? Uh, through the, you know, manipulation of her genes, you know, back, 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 whatever. The luck the thing luck. Yeah. The called, luck. right? So does she save herself? No. No. Um, but on the other hand, she isn't saved by a man. Oh. Right? But- so that damsel in distress thing is, you know, if you were doing the TV tropes, that would be subverted. Uh, yeah. You, you know what she reminds me of? Um, Candide. Ah. Yeah, that's a very good You know what? That's a good, except Candide... Um, as bad things happen. Candide has way, way, way more bad things happen. But he goes in with the blind faith, like everything happens is good. Everything good happens. And he like he doesn't really learn too much. And she does. But she's the same kind of blank slate, you know, wide eyed, not knowing what's coming. And like, oh, look, my feet are burned. I won't do that again. Like, you know. Right. Like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. For me, both uh, Tila and Prill unfortunately show that Larry Niven's female characters do not rise up to the level of his male characters, which don't rise up to his world building. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 okay. So, so, so let's let's look at our list of characters. We have we have jaded spacer Louis Wu. We have speaker to animals, the quasi not completely murderous as in we have the cowardly Nessus. So they have, they have characterization, they have agency, they have plots and plans of their own. 
And then let's see, what do we have? If we have Teela Brown, who really, I mean, and Larry even said, I think it was in End Space or one of his characters in one of his books, he, he admits that Teela Brown really exists as an author plot device. And mm-hmm. that's her that's, role in the book. And, yeah. it, and back when I first read this, I accepted that sort of thing. Nowadays, that's not so cool. Okay, you're one, one female character is just simply author plot device. And then there's Prill. Who theoretically and in basic concept, okay, so she's a spacer who's come back to the ring world, is now traveling across it. That's fine and great until we find out and discover what her role was on this ship. And like, really? You're yeah. So so okay, I could accept if that was a role on her ship on the ship, or there was something more to it, um, which kind of reminds me of the uh, TV show Ascension. Uh, the, that three-part miniseries, I don't think either of you have seen it. Uh, I saw the first one. Yeah, so so I could accept that that was part of what she was doing, but her basically her role was concubine on this ship? Yeah, no, not cool. And well, yeah, it's like there's the engineer, the captain, the concubine. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, uh, you know, the, the the difference between their two technologies is th- those ships are away for a long time, right? So it's it, we don't know how I, – I don't think it says how many people are on the crew. But it, it sounds it, like it, there's it, a lot. It, it, no, no, they said it was like about 40 people, like right. five okay, of them so, women. Um, uh, I, I hate to break your bubble, Mr. Uh, Weimer, but there was another famous show uh, or thing – that had the exact same thing. Oh, you're, sure, you're talking a about fan favorite. <laughs> you're talking about Firefly, but at least indeed I far, am. But at least Inara had <laughs> skills and ideas and plans and plots and connections. Other than touching here and touching there. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Lisa. There are there's a lot of sex in this book. Um uh, I don't think that that's unnecessary unnecessarily a killer. No. I think it's not the, it's um, not the it's just the matter of that's all we that's I mean, okay, so if you have this she thing, uses sex to manipulate people. That's not what I'm that's not my problem with it. The, okay. the, the problem is she's defined as a character whose role on this ship was concubine and I can't and that offends me because even 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 ship that was I could accept it as being a role in the ship. You got 40 people on this ship going to nowhere and all she does on this ship is have sex. That's not actually what it says. There's a few other things she. Uh, it says she was ship's counselor as well, in the same way that. Um, oh, so, so, oh, so she Diana Troy with sex. Don't, don't, don't I, go there. I, I think that that, that that's actually no. It's actually stated. I mean, that's not obviously what she's doing. She has had a life after the uh, the return from the ship. I mean, the thing is, is. I, I think, you know, people can legitimately criticize Larry Niven, but I think we're also overly sensitized to things that, um, you know, like that rape joke is what really picks at people's minds. Well, but, and, but he also says every woman has a task within her if she learns how to use it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, is that not true, though? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I don't, uh, know. I, I, uh, I don't remember that line actually. Oh, but it was oh no, there. it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think tasks are a really interesting technology, and I believe it's in the second book. Is it? 
I, there was a lot of things in here I had forgotten. I like was kept. I kept waiting for the vampires. Oh, yep, no, nope, not this the one. vampires. Not they don't mean any vampires. It's not in this book. No vampires, no ghouls. Engineers or the one after, but it's probably engineers. I think it's engineers. Okay, but I believe at the beginning of it's probably the beginning of engineers. Uh, Louis comes uh, when they find him or whatever. He's he's addicted to a uh, TASP, right? He's a wire. He guy. got it. Yeah, yeah, it's, he's not, a, it's not a task, but he's got, he's got the plug in his brain. This is the same difference, right? He's, oh. he's got his own built-in task, right. right? For tasking himself. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that's an interesting, a, a real thing, right? They did experiments uh, on animals, give them a choice of having food or uh, direct brain stimulation. They yes, choose they to, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, similarly, though, um, uh, there's some interesting studies that say why uh, animals become addicted to drugs, right? Um, apparently, animals, they retested these things. So if you if you put animals um, in a cage and you give them uh, a choice of food or uh, drug that makes them feel good, they choose to feel, feel good over the food. Mm-hmm. But um, if you make their environment more stimulating and less like a cage... Um, they are far less likely to use uh, the drugs as over the food. And um, so that's something that I don't think was available at the time of Larry Niven's uh, uh, thinking about this book. Um, And so one of the things that happens in here is is the the control of people using um, the task, right? The Mm -hmm. fact that puppeteer is puppeteering so many of the characters, manipulating all of them is... I mean, I think if you want to talk about um, moral things, nobody ever complains about that. <laughs> I mean, except except for uh, Speaker to Animals and Tila and uh, Louis, I guess, a little bit, but less so. You mean in terms of the the readership of the world at large? Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, the puppeteers are so evil, immoral," right? Um, I think that they're they're looking at it the wrong way. I, this is a science fiction book. Not a you know how contemporary people treat each other. I don't. I, I, I'm. I'm not saying that he's not sexist. I think he totally is sexist. I just think that um, if if that's your your takeaway from the from that scene, I think that that's uh, an overly sensitive reading because rape jokes are totally inappropriate. However, um, not when. Everyone knows that n- no such thing is is actually um, in anyone's mind. Okay, that's that's true. There's one one other thing that I'm going to just touch on with the women, and then we can let it go. <laughs> yep. He yeah, has go. non-sentience on every world of the protagonists. The Kazins have your non-sentient females. Uh-huh. On Earth, Louis Wu wants to go on sabbatical and take a woman in stasis. For the best of both worlds. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the puppeteers, one of our sex is property non-sentient stupid. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so all of them. Yep, no, I think that that's, um, that's, that's legit as well. Um, whether, so the, the word sentient is a real interesting word, right? This because is, he, he, it's like, it's not like he did it once. That's three. Yeah, it's it's a real science fictiony word. It's not um, something you find in laboratories, um, and so we know what we, if we've seen Star Trek, right? They use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's next generation, at least, you know, they're not sentient. So, 
right? So uh, whatever that word means, and it means sort of a vague idea, what we know it when we see it sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because there are philosophical theories um, that are very much not – that are developed since this book in 1970 that are trying to express the same idea – um, I think in a different way. Now, usually they don't make it about females uh, specifically, well, but there's thing here. there's yeah. this thing called philosophical zombies, right? Um, th- the idea is that th- if there was a person who acts as if they're sentient, um, we would have a hard time telling whether they're not because in the same it's it's kind of a um, it's kind of the same issue as uh, Westworld. Uh, very nice, actually. That that's a very nice catch. Uh, I was thinking, um, uh, the Turing test, actually. Oh, yep. So, yeah, yeah. So ex, that goes into ex machina and other. Things. Same story, right? And notice in ex machina, I think it's very nicely. It's such a good um, movie. Yeah, it is such a good movie. And notice it has the exact same sort of uh, relationship of the man creator creating a woman, <laughs> uh, basically for sex. Yes, and- um. And it's shown as hor- as a horrible thing. Oh, it is shown <laughs> as a horrible thing, um, but that's uh, it's not addressing something that's nothing. It's addressing a real thing, right? Um, women, uh, this is these are there's some really hard facts. That a lot of people don't like to even think or talk about. They're hard facts, not in the sense that they're um, hard to accept, uh, which they are. They're hard facts is in the fact they're actual facts that you can't you know, deny women and men are, are built differently, right? They have different expressions of, uh, genes, the X, Y chromosome pairing, right? And that actually has effects on their natures. Not to say that, you know, women can be firefighters. Sure. They can't, uh, women can't be in the military. It's not about that. What it's just saying that there are differences between the genders. And one of the things is men, um, and, Larry Niven is not wasn't shy, and I don't probably I don't know I haven't talked to him. He probably still isn't shy about addressing facts that otherwise could, like when you read a lot of reviews, the people say things like, uh, um, "I want strong female characters," and I, I'm like, "I like strong characters. I like characters that are interesting." Mm-hmm. But um, strong female character doesn't mean you know like uh, i was thinking what would really make a lot of people happy is if that this book was rewritten completely or when they do the adaptation they just make louis a woman and make tila brown a man right so you have a 200 year old woman (laughs) sleeping with a 200 uh a a 20 year old man and um that would change things a lot right especially considering um the fact that none of the sex that happens in these books or much of it, anyways, is really concerned about reproduction. And I think that that Larry Niven is yeah, very interested. Except for the non-sentient ones. No, I think Larry Niven is very interested in the intersection between, um, between reproduction and uh, the relationship that men and women have to it. Right? Men can't, can't easily reproduce without finding some woman who will accept them. Right? Right. This is a fact. Women can't easily. Oh wait, they can easily reproduce, right? There, there is, there are sperm banks if they really didn't want to 
uh, meet a man <laughs> or whatever. Or it, 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 it's just a biological fact mm-hmm. that um, breeding, as it is happening, if you think of all the stuff that, why do we go to the the puppeteer world, right? It's it's the fact that it's all of Nessus's um, motivation is so that he can get a, a breeding license or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and not just a breeding license. He also has someone has to find someone who will mate with him, or her, or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Well, there's three. There's um, three genders here. So yeah. Right. So uh, it, I think they call him a him, but. It, well, yeah, it even though he could have been a, calling a, him a her because he he's got a he's got a beautiful woman's voice. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That Louis or voices. A he's got times. two heads. Yeah, right. The, the, so, yeah. So I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that he's treating anything lightly here, um, and the fact that he says uh, he says that horrible rape joke, which is obviously not <laughs> politic, um, I think is it's like. Uh, to me, when I heard that the first time, when I read the first time, I doubt I noticed it other than as, oh, that's funny. And I understand that, you know, there are real people who are traumatized by, you know, such casual um, throwing out of uh, horror horror acts. But I also say to my students, if you don't finish that uh, sentence, I'm going to murder you. I say that, <laughs> say that I'm all the time. And they think it's funny, and I think it's funny. And I know, I, everybody knows that I'm not actually going to murder anybody. I, I, and when you live in a society that's got uh, solved, not not that the day had done that in 1970, but when you've lived in a society 200 years in the future, or what, no, a thousand years in the future, whatever it is, and they have basically solved all the male-female relation uh, problems – um, in the sense that you know women aren't unempowered or whatever, um, I think that uh, she's not a, she's not freaked out by the fact. First of all, she's never had anything bad happen to her in her whole life, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not just um, yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the things I think he's doing with her as a plot device, you know, she's a character that's needed for the plot rather than she's a character who's interesting. Is that actually? Uh, there's no reason to have this book at all, right? He tells you, on, I love it. And the name of the book is Ringworld. There's a spoiler. And you read the back, right? <laughs> the back of the book. I have myself dreamed up an intermediate step between dice. He just tells you what the book is about, yeah. um, and that's the only thing that the book is, right? That there, there are no spoilers for this book because he says right on the back exactly what the book is, what they're going to study. And when they start talking about it, when they get there, all that we're doing is getting more details. It's like a headline, right? Ring world. And then what's a ring world? Okay, you get the three-paragraph description. Now you know what the ring world is. So why do you read the book? Well, because it's very interesting. And let's explore it and see what those implications are. And uh, I think ring world engineers explores a little more. Um, and then ring world, I don't know, whatever ones after. I'm like, okay, I got the idea. <laughs> After a certain point, I don't need to keep reading about the ring world. But um, in order to get there, in order to have a reason, um, and I think there are, it's built into the way he he's thinking about why they would go there, is, um, is that they do have all these series of coincidence happen 
it just so that it makes sense. He makes up this whole story about how there was a breeding program to create luck. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very interesting idea mm-hmm. and completely bullshit, right? Of course, there's no such thing as luck. But on the other hand, um, you might be able to try out the experiment anyways, because what if you're wrong? Well, th- this seems to me that, that, that a lot of this book is a treatise on fate and destiny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? And like it's exploring it through this story. And and the fact that um uh, w- like you you don't know why she, she needs to go to the ring world why does she need to go to the ring world she needs to go to the ring world so she can meet seeker oh man mm-hmm. right she just needs to meet a man <laughs> right well, and that's ridiculous yeah, but, but, but but again like he's just using her as a plot device to to say do you have any free will do any of us have any free will yeah, or, yeah. Or are we all you know tied to the puppet strings of fate or God how many times it, how many references are there to God which is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they, they play the, yeah. yeah. They play the whole God gambit and yeah. Yeah. But past, but past her meeting the, the man, right. Um, Louis has that line near the end where it's probably in the last chapter um, where he's talking to, uh, to speaker to animals. And he says, uh, yeah, I just figured it out. Like it, she, it's not that she needed to meet this man and, and grow up. It's that the ring foundation material will protect her from the, the destruction. Mm-hmm. That means she's going to be alive for ever 20,000 years. And, 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 and the sequels screw that up. Oh, do they? Okay. She, she dies in one of the sequels. Oh, she becomes, okay. she becomes, she becomes a, okay. I'm, I'm spoiling, I'm spoiling on my, so my apologies. So she becomes, <laughs> she becomes a protector, which. Oh, oh, good. She becomes a protector on the ring world and she dies. Which kind of which which is a stupid stupid retcon and one of the reasons why I don't like this eagle. It's like you killed off Tila Brown. Mm. It's yeah, like she's no, still- she's supposed to live for ninety thousand years. That's why she's still in the ring world, so the so the core explosion won't kill her. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so this this ties into the whole how was the ring world created in this book and in the sequels. We get the sequels retcon this. Right. Okay. So, should we explain for Misa how it get yeah. rec- how it's got retcon? Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, so we've established that this human-like species created this ring world, seeded it from various uh, planets, built it. That's why they're humans on the ring world. That's the story in this book. In the sequels, it gets retconned. In the novel, in the novel Protector, which we should probably do since you did find that audiobook, Jesse. I'm very excited uh, about we, revisiting that book. We, we we find there's a that humans aren't native to Earth; they're native from somewhere else, and that's and I'm I'm trying to avoid spoils as much as possible. <laughs> that species is the species that actually built the Ring World. Yes, they they colonized Earth, but they also built the Ring World. Yeah, there's a lot of things I I couldn't remember that weren't in yeah that, so. One of the one of the things that we find in the seas, and there's a great video somebody's done yeah. on YouTube. Oh yeah, the maps. The, so there's a one to one. This is really cool, Misa. There's a one to one scale map of the Earth, mm-hmm. uh, in one of the great seas. Um, and uh, if you start sailing, uh, I don't know, east or west, um, in that sea, you also you also find a one to one scale map of Mars. Oh cool. What? Yeah. <laughs> So it's like imagine like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a ring world and I'm gonna find my house. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right, it's weird, cool ideas, right? And um, 
I think one of the uh, I explained this book to a few students over the week, and um, th- these are the kids who are past the Halo generation, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. So they they don't have that as a reference point. Um, so explaining to what the, what's actually going on, um, th- you know, what the ring is and all that stuff, it's very difficult because I, I had trouble picturing it on. Like I listened to the audiobook and it was hard because it was so much technical stuff i couldn't picture it and i read mm-hmm. it and i still had trouble picturing it mm-hmm. so um i think that that's uh, a true fact that i had trouble fict- picturing it when i was a kid reading it for the first time as well Thanks, just well no i mean the thing is is it it's it's sort of bigger than our imagination right so we have to scale it to the right thing so the ring is the distance is the orbit of the earth right, right. around the sun mm-hmm. um but it's also how many times as wide as the pl- planet 100 million or something it's no it's not mm. 600 million no it's no. It, it's uh no the width of the ring itself oh, the width of the uh, ring itself is is uh it's at least uh six times as wide right. as the uh, or the, the the diameter of the earth yeah right so um, they, in the book, they land on the ring world. I think it's hilarious that they find, uh, two such, um, ob- so one of the things, if you type, start typing in ring world is right. Uh, or they type in specific words into Google people. You can see people's questions. One of them was, did the, uh, did the lying bastard make a, uh, make the fist of God? Oh, and I think that's a really good question, but I think the answer is no. No, the, the, no. no, the fist of God's been there for a because people have been praying to it for a while, and mm-hmm. so no, but, it's 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 a fixture, just like. And they also the say it made a big gully, or a big like you, you big smash in it. Yeah. So uh, the thing is, is they were in the wrong position for it, anyways, right? Fist of God has to have been, come from below, mm-hmm. right? Uh, below, which is uh, they were on the interior. But um, they apparently they, when they were zapped by the uh, uh, I don't know comet defense system, they did smash I think into the um, into the uh, shadow squares, yep. which is why all the shadow square wires are uh, piling up uh, around that city, right? Yeah. Now uh, doesn't if they that much sh- shadow square wire is falling down does that mean the shadow squares are going to fly apart? I seem to I, recall there's a shadow square problem problem in one of the sequels. Yeah, that that, that things have unraveled because of what the because of the lying bastards crash. The thing is, is when I was thinking about reading it this time that I didn't think about the first time or the second time perhaps was that. Um, Earth has a mecha- has mechanisms, natural mechanisms for keeping itself sort of in balance, um, and this whole project, right, the Ring Ringworld, and then of course Ringworld engineers uh, sort of goes into some of those problems. Is that because there are there's no maintenance crew for Ringworld anymore? Um, the only thing keeping anything sort of working is that uh, laser beam taboo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I guess is designed to prevent people from chopping holes in <laughs> foundation material and letting more air. Um, but even the like, if you're looking at the scale mice, are thinking about how like there's a hole in the bottom of the yeah. of the ring world, and it's just air is draining so how, out. How has all the air not? How long is it going to take? Well, that's the thing is is it's so inconceivably big 
the ring world. And the hole's so inconceivably, inconceivably small that it's going to take an uh, immeasurably long amount of time for it all to drain out. Yeah. Which is crazy, mm-hmm. right? But uh, if it, I don't know that he did the math on this, but um, I bet he did at some point, at least if not in the first book, in the second book. Um, uh, and I guess if you had a crew there, you could like, I don't know, uh, chop off a mountain of ring foundation material like they were doing with the uh, their uh, improbable uh, castle in the sky, right? right? And just drag it over there and plug the hole, at least partially. Um, if you had the Chiltong Brang or whatever it's called, <laughs> you could uh, well, maybe melt it good on the corners or something and, um, you know, do some basic maintenance uh, on this thing. But ultimately, because it is a constructed object, um, the center cannot hold. Things fall apart, right? Yeah, that is very depressing. Yeah, that entropy is going to get the ring world in the end. Yeah. And but it's, it's going to take a I mean, it's going to take a long time. It it is so immeasurably large, so vast that it would take thousands of years to uh, to fight to all wind down. Maybe tens of thousands of years. So maybe maybe millions even. It's, yeah, we really we really don't know what it means because it's so big. And I, I mean, we we get to. We, I mean, in local areas, things can go wrong because we see bare patches of material right. we have the sunflower problem right yeah i mean theoretically the sunflowers will theoretically as Lewis says theoretically cover the entire almost the entire surface of the ring world given time but that time scale is so large that yeah just like so um uh, the other things that are uh, i mean we, we'll talk more i think about this but one of the things that i was thinking about um is that yeah i when i read it the first time it was not 1970 it was i don't know probably about 1982 or something like that um i hadn't read the ringworld engineers yet i didn't understand uh i guess old uh, this is the thing is ecology and you know geology and all that stuff uh, basically we you know even a really really smart well thought out book like this one um, it can't think of all the things that need to. So when one of the, one of the things that we see, Misa, I think you'll think this is pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Um, that ring foundation material, you know, sort of being exposed mm-hmm. um, is kind of a hint, even to Larry Niven, I think, um, that he didn't see that is solved in the second book. Right. Is that, so because of those shallow seas and because there is no actual geological activity under the surface, um, there has to be some mechanism to prevent all the seas from filling up with silt. Okay. Right? Yeah. Because uh, we've got we've got a mechanism. Uh, it's called geologic activity, right? So we have you know rivers silt up, and then uh, uh, that becomes a new the floodplain becomes lifted uplifted by something. If this thing's designed to last more than um, you know a few. I don't know, million years, it, it has to have some mechanism to uh, clear those places. Mm-hmm. And uh, otherwise, you know, the system will fail. So Larry Niven, again, retcons, uh, he, he has, what, it, drain pipes in the bottoms of the, yeah. of the yeah, lakes, yeah, yeah, oceans. Basically, basically, it's recycled, yeah. Right, and it pushes it to the edge uh, where those mountains are on the, on the wall. 
um, and they sort of uh, make artificial versions of uh, of <laughs> geo geo geoactive uh, activity, right? And in thinking about it, it's like it, it just all the systems that are needed to be maintained. We're really lucky. The Earth is around. Damn, the Earth is really doing a good job. Yeah, the occasional earthquake and such, but damn, it does a good job. But I'm thinking of something, and it wasn't that problematic at the time in the 70s, but in in the intervening decades since, um, Mm -hmm. the Aral Sea being drying up. You you both know about this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh? Yeah. Um, There's a sea. There's a sea in Russia. The... In, the Soviet Union decided to divert a couple rivers from the seas for agriculture, and as a result, the Aral Sea has been silting and drying up and uh, dying, basically. As it's a result, turning into a yeah, oh. not a sea anymore. Yeah, yeah. If you Google, you can you can find out, it's, and that's clear clearly what when humans really tamper with the environment and things go wrong, like say on the Ring World, you can muck up the earth. I mean, on a long geological time scale. I mean, yeah, the LC will probably come back, but on the short t- scale, yeah, the, the sea is lost. Yep. It, it, it's a poisonous, toxic nothing now. Yeah, it's actually quite striking images, too. Like, you see a ship way out in the middle of, of a desert, yeah. like, wow. just sitting there, and it's like, well, how did it get there, right? It's because <laughs> for the thousand kilometers between uh, any point, <laughs> yeah, that used to be an ocean. Huh. Yeah, or C, anyways. Um, so, uh, what do you think? Oh, what about the Earth? I want to talk about the Earth at the beginning of the book as well. What do you guys think of that? Because we don't see a lot of it other than, uh, you know, in that first chapter. Yeah, we, we, we see Louis will jumping around around the, uh, a very... Um, well, what Larry Niven did get right in some ways, he, he puts a global as the homogenization of culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems exactly how, that's how it seems to me how it would, it would progress to Beirut looks like Budapest point. Right. Yeah. He said it's all the same. No matter where you go, same shops, same everything in one door out another. But I also thought it was interesting, you know, Munich resembled Cairo Mm -hmm. and Resh, San Francisco and Topeka. Right. But I was, I was also thinking that, that we don't have stepping discs or uh, uh, what are the transfer booths? Transfer booths. No, no but uh, we, would... we do have transcontinental travel. We have a lot more freedom of movement. Larry Niven just takes that to the extreme with the mm-hmm. uh, transfer booths. But I also think that we have something resembling uh, that world as well. And it's, yeah, it's not quite as good. But um, uh, right now, two of my friends are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to each other, and uh, before Skype, um, the fact that if I called Misa on the phone, uh, who had, I'd never met and would now have no chance to meet, really, um, given I've never been to Ontario. <laughs> if you can um, come, please come visit. All right, uh, I will. Uh, I will let you know if I have any plans to go there. But um, the thing is, is uh, there's a culture that is global now. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. not everybody's involved in it, you know, especially people who don't go on Skype. Um, but there's a a global culture where people, um, who are in, uh, other countries like Paul (laughs) can be in the same room 
with uh, people who are like me and Misa, who are in a different country yet on opposite sides. You, you know, you're much closer to Misa than you are to me, I think, Paul. But uh, I think I might be just about <laughs> midway. Where are you, Misa? Oh, really? Uh, Toronto. Toronto. I. I, okay, I'm, all, I'm. I think I'm marginally closer to Misa than to you, Jesse. Okay, yeah, closer. I don't know. Yeah, um, and you know, if you're walking, you'd have to go over the Rockies. <laughs> it's a big deal that, yeah. that, that this is something. Uh, you know, he doesn't have Skype in the story. He has uh, people making phone calls. One of the things the, the puppeteers are doing—they're trying to find those uh, the lucky ones, right? Yeah, and they can't get them on the phone. <laughs> can't get them on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, yeah, it's possible, I suppose. Yeah, I Leave called every number in South America. Like what? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's some funny stuff going on there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I they, think they say he's a homo- like his face too. He said that he's sort of a little bit Asian, but he's like a big big mix. Exactly, and I love his name too. I, it was one of the things I loved about it at the time, uh, and I I would I'd say, oh, Larry Niven's hilarious. Louis Wu and his. Motley Crew, it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also didn't know that it. Like I was thinking, is it Lewis or is it Louis? But Louis is a much better. I mean, the audiobook uh, makes it clear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at least by collapsing the choice. But Lewis can be spelled L-E-W-I-S. But Louis, I've heard, you know, that's the French. So you've got the the French and uh, the Wu sounds like to me Chinese. Yeah. It combined with the fact that he's uh, – oh, the racism in this book, right? He's dressed up like a, a chrome yellow mandarin. <laughs> Even his skin is chrome. Yeah. He's, he's wearing a uh, one of those braids, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so racist. Actually, blue. that's just the fashion. Yeah, it's just fashion. It's yeah, just a fashion. Yeah, they, yeah, they make it. They make it clear that a uh, skin color is basically something you pick. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Tila was green, wasn't she? She's blue. All blue. Okay. Blue. At the beginning, yeah. Um, the fact that this two hundred year old man is still trying to be fashionable is kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids are wearing uh, wearing blue this year. He's out. Oh, yellow. <laughs> so unfashionable. <laughs> um, so. Uh, the technology, like the technology, uh, it seems pretty far advanced. But the main thing is, he gets something right. If you've got either fast, incredibly fast, cheap uh, travel, or you've got incredibly fast, cheap communication, um, globalism happens in a very kind of nice way. The people who show up at his parties are from, sounds like, all over the world, all sorts of age groups and such. Yeah. Uh, his birthday party, right? And then the fact that he can go hang out with or visit other places somewhere on the internet or they don't have the internet, I guess. Um, but they do. They have, do have Google Translate down pretty well, don't you think? Uh huh. Well, it's actually smarter than Google Translate because it can do foreign languages uh, that they've never met before. Yeah. Right. Um, have you read the uh, the Flash Crowd stories, Jesse? No. No. Um, they're 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 Larry. They're not set in known space, but they're stories written by Larry Nevin, which investigate the early history of. Basically, the transfer booths and, mm. and and the consequences for crime oh. and murder and whatnot. Yeah, the main the main character is Jerry Berry uh, Jansen. Is that the Organ Legger books? Um, no, no, Organ Leggers are in Known Space too. Oh, okay. So no, this is outside of Known Space entirely. This is just like 
a world where we develop transfer boots. It's the early days. It's like, so they haven't been around that long. So culture hasn't been homogenized and all the implications haven't been studied yet. So yeah, you have this uh, reporter correspondent uh, investigative journalist, Jerry Berry Jansen, who investigates stuff and they he gets trying to figure out the, the implications of basically having this technology for crime and and social uh, social upheaval and flash mobs and there's there's a, there's a like half a dozen of these stories that mm-hmm. so the uh, one of the other things I was thinking about uh, I mean that it's brilliant right uh, that idea and that's true right I think Cory Doctorow was talking about flash flash zombie mobs or yep. whatever <laughs> a few years ago and uh, you know on Twitter you can just call for. Uh, Everyone show up with a red shirt on the corner. That's right? true. You yep. can't get you yeah. can't get uh, everybody in the world, but you, you know that day. Mm-hmm. But you can get um, uh, the people in the city to show right. up, and you can have revolutions that way too. The Arab Spring well, was, was based like on that. Well, guess what's happening today or tomorrow? It's going to be really, really interesting. Might be scary, but it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, Two thousand or more. Uh, United States military veterans are showing up in I, North Dakota. Yeah, at Standing Rock, yeah. At Standing Rock, and the there's not that many police there. It sounds like they're going to bring out the National Guard. So it's it's going to be crazy. Um, but the fact that, you know, people all over the United States and maybe around the world are donating up to a million dollars to help uh, fund that um, – and you know, not through the mainstream media, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, sort of one, no, I don't know, peer to peer, you know, YouTube or whatever it is, uh, Twitter. Yeah, that is, it's kind of a slow motion flash mob. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not a mob as much as a group, but that there's some really cool things that happen when you think about uh, technology. Yeah, very. Um, in the way that Larry Niven does, and I, I wanted to go through the list of things in here and. What's so cool is if you think about that book we did earlier, the first hard science fiction book that we talked about. Mm-hmm. The Mission Cat- of Gravity, uh, yes. Mission of Gravity. Um, the number of uh, technologies employed is relatively few, right? Basically, they just have faster than light travel to get there. And then everything else is sort of, uh, you know. Very basic mechanics. Existing yeah. Pron- yeah, existing mechanics, uh, you know, with a little. So, like, how are fly cycles powered? We'll never know. <laughs> I want one, yeah. but um, I think that's less important, and he focuses less on it because it's a way of allowing them to travel a, any sort of distance over this surface of the place. And we can imagine some way of getting there, but here's the list from Wikipedia of quote-unquote concepts um, uh, or technologies, right? So the general products hulls. Um, I think those were in existence before this book with oh, uh, oh, yeah. they, they, they were in a ton Neutron Star and uh, other such stories, right? Right. They have to reference Neutron Star in this book. Right. Because, right. Yeah, because the, the story – Beowulf Shapers explicitly called out right. the character. Yeah, so that story, Misa, where they talk about him going to the core and back, that's actually a whole standalone story that never oh, really. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, that's – I can't remember the name of that that collection that it's in, but it's, a, it's in a couple of collections. Yeah, he's really he's really good at uh, thinking things through. So one of the things that he's doing in this book is it's sort of it's my greatest hits of technology ideas, right? 
um, which we don't see in in um, in uh, Mission of Gravity. But one of the things that I think is interesting in doing that, in bringing all these uh, different technologies, fake technologies that we don't have any explanation for, really, um, is that it allows for interesting ideas to build on top of that. So w- one of the ones that we see that isn't Larry Nivens is um, Ursula Le Guin's uh, Faster Than Light uh, Communication. What's that called? The Ansible. The Ansible antonym, oh, not antonym, acronym for, no, what is it? Lesbian. I can't remember what that's what. One of those anagrams, that's what it is. It's an anagram for lesbian. I don't know if that means anything. But I, I, the Ansible is a technology that lots of people employ in their books, right? Yeah, it, even if they use it, don't, sometimes they use that name, sometimes they don't. But yeah, now it's kind of like common practice. Oh, yeah, of course you talk faster and light. You have to. Uh, Orson Scott Card, I think, uses it, the word. Yeah. Well, uh, which is those. But yeah, it's, it's pretty common now. But yeah. yeah. So uh, by doing that, by having a bunch of stuff, so the general products hull allows them to have their wings sheared off, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> without damaging the, the ship itself. Um, I, I think that tech, uh, the idea of uh, something that has certain properties, right? He doesn't say it's just uh, invulnerable, like it's not adamantium or something, right? He says... It's it allows all visible light through and gravity, but can cannot be damaged by anything except for antimatter. And I love the fact that he talks about antimatter when I was kind of like, what the hell is this stuff? Sounds fake. It's real. Wow, <laughs> weird. And we don't really understand it because it's very hard to get. <laughs> um, next, slaver stasis field. Oh right? yeah, slavers yeah. are uh, a real, you know, no, not a real thing. Another book. Right. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. The world of Batavs. And they use that as a technology to. Uh, they help did. Them yeah, survive. they did a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. They. Yeah. The the, the slave because they, they also mention the story in, in here they, where Louis met someone where they were both investigating a slaver box. Right. Uh, the Trinox was that. Yeah, the Trinox. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, then uh, the idea that luck is genetically uh, selectable for. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I was thinking about how stupid an idea this was. And then I was thinking, no, actually, it's not stupid. It's really, really stupid, right? Uh, because luck isn't – luck is a misunderstanding uh, of reality, right? You think, I'm feeling lucky. Well, actually, there are a certain number of cards in your hand. There's a certain number of cards in the deck. They were put in a particular order. There's no luck involved, right? The angle of your throw of, your throw of the die, right, is um, – determined by you know a number of factors they can be calculable therefore there's no such thing as luck Mm -hmm. is is my thinking and that's what i think everyone thinks including larry nevin at some point but then i also was thinking about the fact that well um we also don't know what makes some things work uh and that's because we don't have a complete picture of reality Mm -hmm. and if that's true that we don't have a picture of reality as they say several times in the book right there are possible. There are. You know, they're using a different theory than you are. Yeah. Right? When you say you can't go faster than light, mm-hmm. they're using a different theory, mm-hmm. and that explains a lot. And if you think about, um, it, it, I think there is um, some superhero that can manipulate luck. I, I well, think it's a really. Well, 
well, earlier versions of the Scarlet Witch could manipulate luck with her, oh, yeah, with her spells, right? And uh, Gambit can. So yeah, there's, right. So there's a couple of superheroes that can do it. So right. So if 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 that is you know tapping into the quantum level where you can determine whether some action Z happened at a point in the past, then you know that car will come right around the corner and knock over the bad guy just in time for him. Uh, to not shoot you in the head when he had you at point blank range or whatever it is, yep. right? Yeah. So the thing is, is because there is no actual book from God in your hand that you can look it up and find on page uh, where luck would be, oh, there's no entry, right? Because there, we don't have that book, then running a, a crazy experiment like, uh, crazy slash immoral experiment <laughs> like the, the uh, but crazy interesting as well, ex- experiment like the puppeteers do, isn't actually stupid, especially if you have infinite amount of money and infinite amount of time, which apparently they have an infinite amount of puppeteers on that planet, the puppeteer world, right? The, the puppeteer where, worlds are five. Where they, yeah. yeah, where they they have so many goddamn puppeteers that the body, <laughs> the body has, is a physical problem, a yeah. physical problem right. for the environment, and that's pretty amazing. Um, it, it is. Well, it's li- all about global warming, right? Well, Libin, Nibin loves to do that. Uh, side note: uh, You've read the boat in God's Eye, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you, my son? No. Okay, it's it's Great a book. yeah, so. it's a first contact Larry Nibin Jerry Pornell story where humans meet aliens, and one of the things that they that one of the characters is covering, trying to figure out more about the aliens, he notices the seas are two feet lower than they should be. And it turns out why is because they've been using fusion energy for so long that they've depleted the oceans using the water for fusion. That's also another book where, uh, you know, the sex, sex, sex thing oh God. is tied right into the mode of I mean, biology. Yes, abs- exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, is, you know, the fact that he's always taught, uh, I, I had forgotten that this book Ringworld's so short, I guess, is the issue is that it, they don't have the concept in it of the sex uh, sex solving all problems, which is, I guess, ring world engineers or throne or children or whatever. Remember that one, the Rishathra or yep. however it's it, pronounced? Rishathra, yep. Right. So uh, this is a really interesting concept, Misa. Oh God. So well, you meet two, you, you meet somebody, uh, some stranger. Um, the first thing you do is you have sex with them. <laughs> the reason is there's a Babylon Five episode. Where, oh really? Where um. Where uh, Ivanova has to make first contact with the species, and she's showing him oh, around yeah, and right. stuff. And at the end, she's like, "Oh yes," and the alien says, "Now we will have sex," <laughs> and she's horrified. It, <laughs> the guy totally wants her, Sasha, and I, I understood that. So she's completely horrified by this concept, and she basically fakes him out until she gets to know at the end. Next time, my way. It's like, right. oh God, I'm not going to get out of this <laughs> next time. So yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, it's uh, it is, and he does he reference Bonobo specifically in that one? I can't remember Rishathra when Louis Wu's explaining it to whoever. I, I think so. Yeah, talking to um, uh, when Bonobos get into a, a d- disagreement, they they sex their way out of it. Um, and <laughs> apparently, yeah, um, they have sex more than any other uh, primate or something like that. Yeah. So um, the the fact that he's obsessed with sex, which is one of the th- things I saw in a lot of reviews, um, the the amount of sex that's in the book, um, yeah, he's interested in sex. But uh, on the other hand, anybody who's alive probably had someone in their family 
maybe their mom and dad who were interested <laughs> in sex <laughs> at some point. And it is a it is something that makes creatures uh, motivation. And if you're if you're a science fan, uh, which I think Larry Niven is absolutely a science fan, it's something to think about. And it's something that a lot of other writers like Isaac Asimov. When when the hell did Isaac Asimov become interested in uh, sex, uh, except at science fiction conventions, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he never deals with it in his fiction. No. And I don't think a lot of other people do either. And so I don't think that that is a... I, I think he's, he's... It's a good thing. This book is so good that the, the problems with it are so negligible. I mean, one of the things that's uh, so amazing about this book, too, is that it's it's like the fans of it are insanely interested in, you know, mapping it. It, it mapping really it, like, yeah. And working at, I mean, it was, it was those fans that drove Nibbin to write the sequel. Yeah. I don't think he intended to, but this, the fans say, well, well, what about this? What about erosion? What about that? And so he basically, I think he got a uh, bullied's not the right word. Like browbeated by, by fans. Yeah, took reactions. Yeah. I read to, that in a forward from him. He said, yeah. I have no intention of doing another one, but. You pushed me to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it shows, especially as you start reading, writing a couple more, they you kind of got locked into that. Now, okay, yep. uh, uh, and much to not what he wanted to do, but that's. But you were going a list of all these concepts, and we kind of derailed you. I'm sorry. Jesse. That's okay. Um, so we did luck, yeah, which is uh, associated with uh, you know, the sex as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the task, which I think is a brilliant idea. I I think that it's um. It's sort of explored in that sex scene with uh, Halalo Prillalar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As well, she's got a sort of a natural version that she learned in school. Yeah. Um, there's Booster Spice, which uh, I guess is lifted straight out of uh, um, the name anyways. Mm-hmm. Is lifted straight mm-hmm. out of Dune, right? Um, and he describes it as having come from ragweed. Yeah. Which right. I thought was cute. I mean... I don't think it's real, but I think it's uh, a great idea and allows for this idea of somebody who's so experienced uh, that they have every. Uh, I th- did you guys see that video, the uh, YouTube interview with Larry Nevin and a bunch of other people? Yeah. Um, where he talks about uh, the Chaosium. He says it wrong, but the Chaosium version of the game, uh, the game version of Ringworld, where. If you have a character who's 200 years old, it takes an hour to make the character because he's had experience with everything. Yeah. So he yeah. knows how to ride a bike and swim and uh, hockey and right, <laughs> skiing and all the skills that uh, you would put on there. Whereas, yeah, what is what is uh, the 20 year old have um, naivete and apparently a really good education because she has. Um, uh, some really uh, valuable ideas. Which were I, I thought that those were all just part of her luck anyway, though. Well, she was lucky to get a good teacher, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, seriously, uh, she contributes some stuff. Yeah, she does. She's the one that wants to fly into the sun. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was a few things. There was a few things where Tila Brown was the one that said, okay, stop arguing, let's do this. That's right. No, she, she was not... A, 
quote unquote damsel in distress. No, no. But what I mean by her luck is it's that whole thing about it bred into her. Like part of her luck is this kind of sensibility Mm -hmm. and and intuitiveness and that whatever that psychic stuff that they were reading in was it is all bundled in with that luck. And and uh, I, I think he does some interesting stuff with the you know the fact that she the idea is that if you've and this might be true. I don't know if it's true. If you've never been hurt in life, um, that you have more difficulty with empathy. I think that that mm-hmm. is true, probably. Um, if you, you know, go around the world and everybody's always fine, and you've never had anything bad happen to you, um, you're less likely to uh, be able to empathize with people. I think that that's that makes sense. It yeah. does. And so when the the <laughs> what speaker is blinded. <laughs> and he says, I'm blind. And she says, yes, but can, can you, you see? see? Um, I think that that's a pretty good uh, sort of idea. That's not, I guess, technology, but it goes into that luck thing. So we got the task, booster spice. Um, of course, there's the, the script, they call it. I don't think they call it that in the, this book, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, the, 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 the ring shadow. Material. Oh, what was it? Foundation. Yeah, it's about foundation material. Uh, yeah. Oh. And so um, it's... It says the tensile strength nearly equal to the magnitude of the strong nuclear force. Um, so this is obviously not a real substance, as far as we know, and probably never will be. It, it, they make note to, here on the Wikipedia entry that it's an example of "quote unquote" unobtainium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our current theories don't suggest any way we could make it. Right, but you can't have a novel that has a this awesome idea. Yes without this stuff and so just just the fact that uh you know the way douglas adams does says how big space is he says space is big how big it's so big you can't imagine how big it is and he goes on saying how big it is for a while but that really doesn't give you the sense like when you're on the ring world and you're looking off into the left and you're looking off to the right and you can't see either wall because they're Farther that, away that was my thing with this. I couldn't picture the walls. I couldn't. I was like, I, I don't know. Well, they never see them. Yeah. Right? Except space and from the map room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole idea of seeing the wall, seeing the arch. I mean, the the, the whole arch versus right thing. The arch. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's and, hard to it's hard for our minds to picture this. Mm-hmm. No matter uh, how well other, he describes it in the book, it's just like he. I think that's part of the whole incomprehension. Like. This thing is really, 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 really big, guys. <laughs> That's right, and and the, I mean that I I think I tweeted it at you. Maybe I didn't. The uh, how it's funny that Tila meets this guy, this hunky sort of hero guy. He's a barbarian you know. sword person. He's a barbarian <laughs> swordsman, right? He's Conan basically, except uh, dumb um, and uh, dumb and. Um, He's on a quest. <laughs> his quest. His girlfriend could tell him, All right, "Honey, uh, you're you're already at the base of the arch." <laughs> so, so that makes <laughs> anytime he, he's Don Quixote, and that makes her um, exactly Sancho yeah. Panza. Yeah, <laughs> or, not, not Dulcinea, Sancho yeah. Panza, because Sancho Panza. That's right. No, you're right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. Um, so uh, the fact that he's like I imagine him, he's walked around the, it's <laughs> walked around the whole thing. Obviously, he hasn't done it yet. Because it's only two hundred years old or whatever, it's several hundred years old even. It would take. He probably hasn't even walked it. Like, hasn't even encountered one of the walls yet. And when you did encounter the wall, you wouldn't know it was a wall, 
right? Yeah, it would just be a slope. It would just be uh, impassable mountains that get higher and higher and taller. And, right. Right? So um, that is uh, super funny, I think. <laughs> and the guy wants to walk to the base of the arch. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's. There's a scene when you know uh, a, a, another one that people don't like. Another one that people don't like uh, came up again and again in reviews. I saw. Um, she says um, he stopped having sex with me as soon as he found out that about you. <laughs> and she says, so I want you to say that I'm not his, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, I'm not yours. And he says, I think it'd be easier just to just to sell you to him. Yeah. Uh. Now, I think that if you say, oh, yeah, that's bad. No, well, it, it, yeah, it, it is bad. It's, it's, but it's, guess what? Almost every fucking culture in the entire universe that we know of has done that for most of human history. I know. But, but it's. He- built into our culture in so many ways. So when Larry Niven f- creates a collapsed civilization that has basically not even metal anymore, all they have is clubs, right? The fact that this guy's got a sword makes him uh, an amazing hero, right? A metal sword, oh my God. That is, um, that is very full of Conan-ish. Like, yeah, if you have a little bit of technology, you are above... He's a, he, he knows magic, right, is one of the things they said about him, right? He knows magic. <laughs> but, but what the, I think the issue isn't, isn't necessary. I mean, yes, human people barter with people. But she is like, yes, please sell me to him. I want that. Like, she doesn't even, she doesn't even have any intention of, of trying to create some sort of relationship with this guy where, where he doesn't think of her as cha- child. As property, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she she's in much greater possession of knowledge. Yes, and, she and is. So yeah, uh, and she, yeah, and she says, also, and I want to go and teach the world, like you know, sprinkle but, uh, my my help. She, if, <laughs> she's not gonna, if she's not going to disillusion him, I mean, he's honorable. We know that, right? So because he stopped sleeping with, her, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> when she said some some uh, terrible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, terrible honor, stupid honor, right? <laughs> because she wanted to sleep with him some more. Um, she says uh, he is. Stu- she says he. I know he's not very smart, um, <laughs> but I don't care. I love him anyways. Um, and when she has the fact that if she started educating him on things like the fact that there is no base of the arch, um, he, she's she's ruining him in a certain way. Just keep him the noble idiot that he is, right? It's, He's it's, kind of her, his, the other Candide then. Uh, which um, like that would I mean if I if I thought that she was like Candide, then he's he's her little one as well. I I, I yeah I, I didn't ex- I didn't remember that she was killed in later books. Um, so yeah. So, I think if this had been standing on its own, I picture it just as um. They wander the world forever. Right? Oh, oh absolutely. I, th- I think that's the right. implication in this book and that she's going to outlast the core explosion wandering the ring world with, uh, with, her, with her barbarian hero. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, he's, ne- he's still going to say, this place is starting to look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I but- know I've been headed in the right direction, but I don't know what's going on. No, it's, 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 there's, there's so much room in the ring world that they could spend tens of thousands of years just walking in one direction and right. never seeing anything 
anything familiar. And, yeah. and I like that sort of idea. Right. And that's why there's a that's what, so, exactly why there's a game, right? This is a game or this is a a, a role, place a for role playing a role playing I I've never had a role playing game set on a ring world. I know I need to correct that at some point. There is a well there is a Chaosium game. There is a Chaosium yeah, right? I know. I, I, I never played I, I, it. I, I wouldn't use that system, I'd use something else. There's a uh, computer game called Stellaris. Uh-huh. Which is a which is a uh, computer game about it, it. It comes to the people who did uh, Crusader Kings. So basically building your uh, civilization out in the solar empire sort of thing, and you can come across what are called fallen empires, which are small, ancient, much more powerful than any of the player characters. And some of them have ring worlds because I got into a war with them once, and I saw the thing. It's like, oh my god, they have a ring world and awesome. they have spaceships. Like, oh my god, I am dead. <laughs> and yeah, they, they, they kind of wiped out my civilization pretty quickly. Uh, Game over. Yeah. So. So, uh, the the remaining technology we sort of passed on or oh. uh, talked about already: t- transfer versus and stepping discs. Um, I think that the. The puppeteer world was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we saw any puppeteers other than the one there. Yeah, but, uh, but they they, but even, they even hand waved that because they're cowards. They don't want to deal with these aliens. That makes sense, right? Yeah, no, yeah. aliens are crazy. Can you imagine what, letting a Kazin loose in a field full of, <laughs> full of uh, herd animals? They'd all be uh, leaf eaters. Leaf eaters. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Lunch. <laughs> lunch. <laughs> well, uh, I I think that there's some fun stuff. I, I think I think we get that in the next book. That, uh, yeah, it, it, there's some funny stuff going on there. The the uh, Nessus meets the hindmost or has sex with the hindmost um, in the later books or something. Oh. But the in this one, he as soon as he he gets one of the guys to allow him to have sex with him, um, he says, uh, "My love." <laughs> he yeah, calls- he does. He calls the hindmost, my I love. love. And look, dude, he just agreed to have sex with you because no one else would. <laughs> yeah, so you so you go and go visit the, go visit this uh, incomprehensible ring world thing. Yeah, and um, the the thing is, is I think everything that sort of falls out as uh, a sexism is a real thing, right? It's a real thing, but it's based on. Different. It's based on the fact that we can distinguish between male and female. It, it, that is not to say that um, you know it's a it's a positive thing. It's just that's where it comes from, right? Women look different from men. They have different body parts. They have uh, perhaps different styles of personality, right? That sort of thing is real. Whereas um, I think one of the things that is less obvious here is the racism. And in part, that's because races aren't real, right? Sexes are real, or genders anyways. Mm-hmm. Whereas races are sort of conglomerations of uh, phenotypes or, I don't know, genes. Gene, Like, there isn't a French race, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there are French languages. French culture. French culture. Um, and there are... Um, uh, you know, a lot of Asians have black hair. Not all of them, but a lot of them do, right? And uh, most of them have epicanthic folds. Does that mean that they're uh, they're the same race? Um, no, because there's no such thing as race. Um, so when 
we see this character of Louis Wu, the French uh, French uh, Chinaman with um, uh, a really uh, hilarious Fu Manchu costume at the beginning, and then you know just goes to a crude cut later. Even cuts off his cue. I think that's is 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 his cue his uh, his ponytail. Yeah. Okay. I it's like a little. I think he cuts that. It's just inconvenient or whatever. Um, everybody, everybody, I think is past racism in the Earth that we saw. I, 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 I think, yeah, I think the whole point of the whole changing body colors and whatnot was was supposed to say that explicitly. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're yeah. past that. And, and we all speak interworld too. We all speak yeah. interworld. Yeah, we don't. Speak. Which is very convenient, but um, uh, is it English? I don't. I don't. I think it's English based. Yeah. I mean, granted that English is the dominant language of uh, the the earlier Larry Nibbin stories. Yeah, I guess just English is supplanted. I couldn't see it being Mandarin or anything else. I mean, there, there's probably loan words and stuff thrown in. Kind of like there goes Firefly again, where you mm-hmm. where we can we can throw in some Chinese curse words into your English, but yeah. Well, that's also for television, right? That's right. how television had to work back then. Not allowed to swear. No, no. I, I, I remember uh, Stravinsky said Stravinsky said that we didn't see them on the show, but there are, there are worlds where people speak in Chinese, but they use English for cursing. Ah, good. <laughs> so, but we that never got to see them. That wasn't Straczynski, though. That was um, oh, uh, I'm excited. Josh, we did not Stravinsky. You're right. I'm, uh, right. I, was, I had Five on Five on the brain. You're, confi- you're confusing your good science fiction on television people. Yep. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things it says on the here um, that in the opening chapter, the original paperback edition. Yes. Bring, yes. Yes. Um, and this is something. This is like this is. Oh, this is why you should be uh, pilloried. Right. This is why you should pillory Niven. Um, it features Louis Wu teleporting eastward around the Earth in order to extend his birthday. Moving in this direction would, in fact, make local time later yeah. uh, rather than earlier. So Wu would arrive in the early morning of the next day calendar. Niven was, quote-unquote, endlessly teased about this error, <laughs> which he corrected in subsequent printings to show Wu teleporting oh. westward. Oh, come oh. on. Uh, there was a... <laughs> Back, he fucked up on the yeah, direction. Back in a the, really obvious, uh, easy mistake. Yeah, back in the eighties, the uh, opening credits for I think it was NBC Nightly News was one of right. them had so the Earth spinning, spinning wrong the wrong direction. direction. So isn't that true of the? Uh, wasn't that true of the Daily Show's logo as well? Yeah. So so yeah. So it's like, yeah. I I I I don't mind that they fixed that. That 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 was an easy thing to screw up. So mm-hmm. I I. Don't, you tease about it, but yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's an easy mistake to make. Yeah. So, end, but endlessly teased, that, right? Yeah, I wonder about end, that endlessly part, but you know. And now, uh, you know the the fact that he's pillared. Like the the thing is, is people love this book so much. If you like, if you do do a search for like uh, Ringworld, there's like 40, 40 variations on uh, visualizations. A lot of them not very good mm-hmm. but it's so hard to picture everyone imagines it and wants to sort of get their their pit, their bits in on it you know mm-hmm. to do and i i think that that he really has tapped into something amazing in this book and that's uh, unfortunately why there are all those sequels and yeah uh, which yeah which answers some questions and diminish the book otherwise i i wouldn't mind a 
a uh, sci-fi or HBO adaptation of this book. I, I, we have the t- now that we you've seen the Expanse, right? I have, yeah. Yeah, we have the technology to visualize this thing. Yeah, we could. Um, I mean, I we couldn't Netflix say Netflix would be better. Yeah, um, Netflix yeah. or Amazon Prime. We have we 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 can we can depict this ring world now. We couldn't. The you th- CGI you think is that's good. Why there wasn't one before? I, There's I, never been an adaptation. Yeah. Is that, I, I, I think why is because how do you show this thing? I mean, you could try to do matte paintings, but that doesn't work well. I think just the idea of trying to depict the ring world is just so. Uh, so daunting that no one wanted to t- no one wanted to touch is like how do you how do how do yeah. you, how do you show the ring around the sun how do you show them standing on the ring and being able not to see the walls we can do that now we have the technology we have the power <laughs> so Hollywood make a bloody ring world adaptation it's waiting there for you see here's the problem well I think that the, the other thing with this book is that it's mostly I mean when we're not uh, you know sitting there with them is mostly conversations about uh sort of techno technical problems and what theories could uh either explain it fix it or um uh something like that and i love that stuff that's why i love this book right is that i'm reading it and i'm like oh man that's so interesting and then he has this whack job theory that uh you know is going to do this when when they encounter the cloud over the city right Oh, that's Ringworld uh, Shadow Square wire. Like, it looks like a cloud. <laughs> well, I guess so. Um, it's so thin. It's like that uh, that variable sword thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, which is another technology not mentioned there, but um, I think that's another Larry Niven yeah, stuff. Yeah, too. the monofilament sword type. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the like the fact that they have to, you know, Louis turns to a speaker and says. Uh, blah 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 blah, and speaker. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what <it> says. <laughs> and then Dila says something that's uh, you know like, rah, rah, rah. and then oh yeah, rah, rah, rah. and they have this sort of dynamic where Louis is he's sort of the viewpoint character. He's the mediator between uh, w- when everybody's mad at Nessus, right? He's bringing them back uh, into. Uh, the thing, and he says he's a xenophile, right? This is the first time I had encountered that word, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I was at the time when I was a kid. I, I, somebody from another country, cool, right? And a lot of racists, racism back when I was reading this, uh, real racism, not the you know he used the word black when he was when he should have said dark, or I don't know what. It is. <laughs> like, I have kids um, reading a poem, right, and. Um, and it's uh, it's got some word like black in it, and they say that's racist. And I'm like, kid, shut up. <laughs> it's just like he it is like describing the color of the night. Right? It's, like, not, it's just sort of built into us that it's something people say. Right? You can't call somebody whatever it is. So that we've got this evil reaction, but it's so cool that you've got a character who meets aliens, and I know they're made up by Larry Niven. But a speaker has a certain kind of uh, viewpoint in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so does uh, the puppeteer, who I think is you know one of the most ingenious, sort of clever. He's exactly what uh, hard science fiction was asking for all that long time ago. Remember um, back to our previous hard science fiction book, uh, Mission of Gravity. 
they're not that alien, right? They mm-hmm. they think like uh, Hal, they're little Hal Clements with lots of legs and pincers. And, and yeah, a little, a little more. Uh, I I believe I call them at the time uh, Yankee traders. Yeah, Yankee, yeah. but but that's it's pretty you know pretty familiar sort of, human. To it's pretty name. familiar. Fits the plot, um, so that they can have that crossing of the the space and have the same style. Of, I mean, really, they're the same story in, in structure, right? You've mm-hmm. got some humans there. Uh, well, some viewpoint humans that are crossing this space in order to, you know, give us the tour. Um, and in here we've got uh, a, a alien creature that is fundamentally based on cowardice. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, okay. I'll let you finish the statement. Then I'm going to argue with that. Well, I'm just going to say that you know the leader is the hindmost, the hindmost, the yeah. opposite, right? But and of course when when uh, Louis has that uh, experience of seeing uh, Nessus in a fight. Right, yes. We realize that, well, that's like saying deer run from us, but what are those antlers for? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're, because they, uh, yeah, they're herd, well, they're not herd animals exactly, reindeer maybe. Um, they're, they're a certain kind of animal that, you know, would rather flee danger than fight, but I think that that's true of all animals, right? And so when he expresses it as they're cowards, um, what he's saying is they're more cautious. And one of my, when my uncle introduced to me to this book, he said, this is a really cool book. You'll like it. It's got these uh, aliens called the Kazinti. And, and I said, Oh, they sound really interesting. He describes, you know, they're really ferocious. They look like tigers or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then, uh, he said exactly the quote from the book. The problem is, uh, why didn't they defeat humans? They always attacked before they were ready. Right? It's like, yeah, well, if you and I uh, saw a tiger in the woods, we would kill it because it wouldn't kill us because we'd have guns. We would know that there's a tiger in there, whereas the tiger doesn't have that ability to prepare. He's really thinking through these aliens. Yeah, but the whole Nessus <laughs> kicking the guy's heart through his spine and right. Louis pointing out to him, your race wasn't built to be cowards. You can fight. It's just that it's sociologically they're cowards, but they're then they might be herd animals, but they've they've kind of sociologically knocked out themselves the idea that yes, they can fight and fight very well. It's like yeah, that 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 hoof makes a that makes a fearsome weapon. It's like yeah, yeah if, if it's a puppet to fight, a puppeteer turns to fight, you're in trouble because that the, the key will kick the ass out of you. But even though they're they've they've conditioned themselves sociologically not to do that, and that mirrors what they were trying to do in breeding the Kazin. Yep. I mean, it's brilliant. I, I mean, the fact that he, we, we get all this sort of, it's just uh, speculation, but we know it's real because, you know, it's not contradicted, therefore it's real, right, in the book, mm-hmm. where uh, Louis says, aha, so the humans have been manipulated into fighting the Kazin to knock down the Kazin's numbers, while they're also manipulating humans, uh, they're getting this is like masterstroke uh, international relations, right? Um, unlike the American foreign policy, which is like, let's go attack them, right? Uh, the the Russians, no, we're gonna get the Chinese to do it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to do what we want, and um, sort of the manipulation, that puppeteering. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I I I assumed from the beginning that they were puppeteers because of the because of the um, the fact that they're controlling people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, it's because 
they look like their head. Their heads look like puppets, right? Little sock puppets. Right. I'm like, oh, well, it's both, right? It's both. Yeah. Yeah. But the the fact that they they have the they were the Yankee traders trading the General Hall products and to humans, so the humans could and then hooking up with the Star Seed things with the outsiders, so that the humans get the technology to be able to defeat. The uh, the Kazinti, but they're not as aggressive as the Kazinti, so they don't want to make slave and food out of everybody. Right. Um, there's some brilliance in here that is so much for just a sh- really quite a short book. What three hundred and fifty pages? Not even. Mm. Well, one more thing. Um, I, I I've I've seen this bandied around three years. Uh, the whole. This is this is the Wizard of Oz plot. I was just going to oh, say so much I've so. I've never read that before, but I was just going to say it's totally the Wizard of Oz. It's totally it's, totally the Wizard of Oz. Louis uh, Louis. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe anybody else ever said it. I thought I was going to say something brand new. No, oh. no, this has been unfortunately around for thirty years. <laughs> really? Oh, I never heard it before. No, yeah, yeah, no, because because he even because uh, Niven even mentions it in one of his uh, anthologies. No. Louis Can I Louis tell you my version of it before you tell me everybody else's? Okay, go 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 ahead. Let's, let's see how you match <laughs> okay. up with the. Uh, okay, let's see if I match up. Okay, so okay. It's like the, so, her luck is like the Wicked Witch, right? It's the hurricane that crashed into the ring world. Mm. She could learn her lessons as the driving force that gets her to fly into the eye of God and climb a mountain and everything. She's Dorothy. The the puppeteer is the cowardly lion. The uh, sin is the Tin Man. Louis is the uh, Scarecrow. The Ringworld engineers are the Wizard, and we have the Sunflowers instead of the Field of Poppies. The only one uh, missing uh, is Toto. Why you really thought this through? She, she did. Um, <laughs> Nib- Nib- Nibbin's version has Louis as Dorothy. Nessus is the Cowardly Lion. Um, Speaker is the Scarecrow. Tila is the Tin Man because she needs to have a heart because she can't. She needs that, to learn to empathize with people. And uh, Prill is the wizard because she uh, looks like because they think she's an engineer. So they think she's powerful, but she really isn't. Right. She's just mm. the man behind the curtain. Right. That's it, right. It, it, and they meet her in a very strange palace building. So there you go. That's right. But, and you know what? But, when I first thought of it, I didn't was... even think of the pop the, the poppies sunflowers. I didn't even think of that. I've never oh, seen that before. My okay. that's that's that's, that's definitely on a, yeah. They're definitely on a road trip too. Right? And, they're on, and, and on a road trip. Yeah, it's a road trip. Um, I, I first thought of it, I did this drawing, I think I sent it to you guys on Twitter. You did. Of, of the, st- the characters together. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Looks like I was like, it kind of looks like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> Just sort of the, you know, the motley crew of a bunch of people all going on this trip. And, um, I, <laughs> I'm so fond, so fond. That makes me so happy looking at the picture. Um, I did the uh, Kazinti uh, speaker to animals. Um, I took Tony the Tiger, you know. Oh, that's where you got it. <laughs> I got oh. the shape of him from Tony the Tiger. Changed him a little bit. Um, gave him sharp teeth instead of, you know, whatever molars he has in his mouth. And uh, and then gave him the lunchbox. <laughs> because I think Larry Nippon is so funny. He goes, he gets everybody supposed to get on the ship with their 50 pounds of gear or whatever. There's some anachronisms in here. Of uh, miles and things that I think are probably out of date even now in science fiction, hard SF coming from the United States. But they take their 50 pounds of gear, and uh, Speaker doesn't have 50 pounds of gear. He he has a a lunchbox with a 
uh, some meat in it and a, a portable microwave. <laughs> and then, of course, he takes the uh, meat apart and finds his variable sword in there. And that's the, he's going to he's mutinying already right at the yep. beginning of the. Oh, yeah. Of the story. And so when in the, if you look at the picture, he's he's leaning over to Louie and he's got his hand on his shoulder like he's really happy. But, of course, the happy smile is the I'm going to murder you smile. Right? <laughs> it's not a happy smile. It's very jaunty. It is very jaunty. But it, that's when when the when you make a uh, you think you're making a Kazinti laugh, that's going to be your last joke. Right. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think it's pretty brilliant. You, you know the Kazinti are in the Star Trek universe, right? Yeah, from that um, from the animated animated series, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, Larry Niven wrote an animated right episode that yeah, and and through the slavers and the Kazinti in the Star Trek universe. I've never seen them use them ever again in any I of the Star Trek. But they, yeah, yeah, well. Well, some of some of the some of the anime series is canon. Some of it isn't. It did wind up in the uh, the board game Starfleet Battles. Hmm. Um, Starfleet Battles, for those who don't know, was was a board game where you basically you played Federation and Klingon ships and all this stuff fighting each other. It, it's, it's an extremely complicated. I mean, I played this back in the eighties. Very complicated, overwrought rule book with rule six point three point two point one. It's like and well, one of the races because it was in the animated series is the Kazin. So you can, you can have you can go fight Kazinti ships in Starfleet battles because these ships are actually pretty nasty. They they fire uh, unmanned drones at you. Yes, drone warfare. This, this game invented drone warfare before uh, any of the modern days. Yeah, so Kazinti ship comes, you better get your shields up because all these drones are going to come at you. Makes you makes me want to like build a. Uh... A Star Trek haul out, uh, Enterprise haul out of general uh, products. Yes, you know, it's like a Lego. You know, you <laughs> stick the number two hull is the is the base, and then you get the some pylons coming out for the uh, the nacelles and right. Yep, and, and then you have the warp drive. Yep, and you can go fly 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 off and. Uh... Yeah, um, it's it's fun stuff. I mean. This is this is the real deal. This is um, this is this is as I said the original BDO. The big, What's the big dumb object book? Right, big dumb object. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think it's the the capper on it too because I, I, you know, all the other ones I've read, they don't have this. I, I think I, I think awesomeness. Sadly, for science fiction, Larry Niven invented and solved the BDO book in one book. Pretty much, yeah. Which which is kind of sad because it, it's 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 lovely to think of large super mega structures and stuff and books and having people explore and see them but it hasn't been done better before or since it's like that's kind of sad like i i'm trying to figure out how you can improve upon this i mean you can improve upon this in some basic details as far as characters as far as the actual structure and the thought about it about it larry niven kind of uh solved the equation and it's like okay you got which is why again we need a hollywood adaptation it's like okay you did it here it is you don't mm. need you. I mean, I, and he's tried himself. Um, there was a, I haven't read it. There was a collaboration they've been trying to do with Benford about a giant teacup shaped sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot the name of the thing. And, but yeah, it kind of sank without a trace. It's like, mm. yeah, because yeah, was it anyway? Yeah. I think I remember that. Uh, was it, was it any, what, a bowl of heaven? That was the name of it. 
Right. Bowl of Heaven? Bowl of Heaven. Gregory Benford and Larry Niven. Yeah. Um, a, a bowl-shaped structure happen-globing a star with a habitable area equivalent to many millions of Earths. So there's like a... Uh, I can see it now. It's go, it's going to have uh, like a... Uh, one of those caps on the end of the... Um, Sinclair wire or whatever it's called, right? Yeah. And then those are going to all meet on the other side of the star with a giant... Uh, it's going to be like a... So you simulate gravity, right? Um, on the bowl of heaven by having it being flung around the star in centrifugal force. And then on the other side is like a, a black hole or something. So, <laughs> so that um, it can it can not... It, it's a Dyson sphere without uh, artificial gravity. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't read it. I actually have it on my Kindle. I just checked, but I have never I have never read it. But because yeah, how do you, how are you going to beat what you did in Ringworld? You're probably not. Maybe maybe maybe, well, I, maybe I think he does someday. beat it. I think he does beat it. In the where? thing is, is oh, oh okay 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 in, in I, Protector. But the thing is, that's, is that's, it's that's, not all about big dumb objects, right, right? Right. I'm talking about big dumb objects, and I just thought I just thought oh, of an example. Yeah. It's, but it's not an object. It's a natural. Um, the smoke ring. Okay. But so that's, a, that's a natural big dump object, not yeah. a constructed one. Or, or starting with the integral trees, right? right? So the integral trees, the smoke, right. That, that whole globe, that's a, that's a big astronomical object. So yeah, I don't remember that being as good a book as um, Larry Niven's. Yeah, it's not as good as Ringworld. Ringworld, but it's Larry Niven's smoke ring universe is interesting, but, uh, and it's got some really interesting and, stuff. But and, I, and that's because they, the characters are all uh, low tech. They don't have the book, not I don't know the scientific education to make us awesomely interested in what they're saying. I guess that's true. It. But that's set in the same world as Rammer. You knew that. I did know that, and Rammer's a terrific story. Rammer's a terrific story. I caught that in the thing. It's like, oh my god, this is in the Rammer universe. This is cool. yeah. Well, no, it's it's all the same. This is all known space stuff, right? No, no, the Rammers are not in known space. Yeah, I believe they the, are. The the, 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 the Rammer story, if you if you because they talk about this weird fake city and stuff that that I mean there are okay. rammers in known space but the actual story okay. rammer is a different universe okay yeah it's a it, I really like their world is a horrible dystopia yeah yeah it, and that never happened on on the earth of uh, known space so yeah uh, I'll have to send Misa the I did audio. you did send me rammer oh you did well, what did you think of it um I, I I really liked it but um it's eclipsed from my mind after reading this one so I have to go back <laughs> yeah. and think it's, about it again it's the corpsicle right yeah the corpsicle corpsicles yeah right and I, I just love the ending too it's really nice uh sort of sticking it to the man yeah I, but and you've read um um what's the name of the book um world out of time right uh, yes, that's the, that's the yeah, that's, yeah. I think we did a show on that actually. Did you? Did you? I did not know I think that. So. But I think a, so. A world out of time basically extends from Rammer to a full book. Mice after he goes to the Galactic Core and comes back and finds the solar system's all messed up, and that also has weird sexual things in it. There always are. <laughs> I know always that's necessary and everything. I should not. But it's kind I of, think I think you know I think it, it is totally forgivable because. Who other? Okay, there are there are some other people who do sex and science fiction, but um, uh, if we set Samuel Delaney aside, <laughs> okay, uh, who else does sex and science fiction in a way that is about the actual science? Uh, uh, not, uh, and I'm not saying like, you know, he's doing tests. What what I'm saying is, um, 
biological differences in the genders create biological imperatives that are different, right? And I believe that, you know, that this is absolutely true. When I talk to women, they, not all of them, but they have certain ideas sort of foremost in their mind over others. So, for example, women seem to like to take care of babies. I don't know if you knew this, <laughs> but if a baby comes out of their body, something weird happens and they start like wanting to take care of it. And I know that this can happen with men, but I also see that there are a lot of women who don't have men around hanging out and taking care of the baby in the same way. I'm not saying that it's exclusive, but this is uh, an observation I have noticed. Have you guys noticed that? That women like to take care of babies that come out of their bodies anyway? The ones that come out of their bodies, yeah. 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 Why, why, why do you think that is? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> if, if you don't help take care of that baby, it won't stop crying. Because uh, <laughs> I've seen lots of other animals, for example, that do the same thing. A lot of dogs do that, but snakes don't. And the snakes seem to have no interest in their babies. They're just like, you know, no, no interest at all. And I think that there's probably a biological reason behind that. Um, maybe we can rationalize it as, as a choice. Yeah, well, but I snake think, babies take care of themselves. Is that why? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> but but uh, also, like, uh, humans, you know, we're weird. We're, we're weird. But we have to think about, like, it has been true that women use what uh, they have to help them, just in the same way that men use what they have to help them. And um, the fact that men seem to find women scarce and women seem to find men plentiful um, is sort of a dynamic that's uh, been around for a long time. And it's probably a lot to do with the fact that for men, making genetic material available is very easy. And for women, genetic material is... Um, cause uh, making it available is cause for uh nine months of difficulty and 18 or more years mm -hmm. of, of <laughs> biological stress mm -hmm. these are facts they are not you know opinions and larry naven i think really he doesn't care about whether it's it, it's perceived as sexist and you know in a bad way it's literally it's just sexist it's just that it's about sex and or gender is maybe but, but the sex the sex in the book didn't it didn't seem it just seemed like i mean that's what people do they have sex like it didn't seem to be there for any reason other than yes this is part of life it wasn't yeah, for yeah, I or for any sexist agenda like in terms of just the sex in the book it was they it was just people you know these were these people were in a new relationship and they were having sex uh, but more importantly like there's no worry about reproduction no, for the no, but, or the 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 uh, or, or the space whore. <laughs> Whatever uh, we that, but she was a different story. She, well, but the thing is, is she she's obviously had some access to birth control as well. Birth control is an amazing technology that has fundamentally changed. I mean, it's always been around, but it's a, a good and reliable access to it has fundamentally changed many things in human relations, right? right. The fact that um, we don't, see a culture around us, hopefully, well, yeah, I guess we don't, uh, of women being forced to walk around in bags all day, right? This is in, still happening in some countries, even though the technology exists. The technology is repressed, right? The, the way women are protected from, 
see, I'm going to get into trouble just talking. Because this, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to say that word, but now <laughs> I've said it and it's ruined. The way women are protected from, uh, from reproduction is by not letting them out of the house, right? They're not allowed to drive cars, right? This is ridiculous that that, that behavior exists, but it's all about protecting the male genetic material, right? I can't let you have sex with my wife, therefore my wife can't go outside. What the hell? It's, 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 it's a, yeah. The way they say it is it's about protecting the male libido because males cannot control themselves if they see a woman. Therefore, put the women. I, I absolutely agree. Them. That's how they say it. But actually, and the thing is, is there are some horror stories that, uh, you know, men are aggressive. It, women can be too. But there, there are some horror stories associated with a culture that, you know, represses people in horrible ways like that. But. The thing is, is if you look at it at a biological stance, this is this is true in that great Philip K. Dick story that I, I just think about all the time. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's about a uh, cuckoo clock. <laughs> and the thing is, is women always know who their children are. They always know because it came out of their body, right? Unless unless, unless somebody switched you know, in the hospital. That's right. Yeah, right. Which, which is which is one of those primordial fears that you see in Absolutely. fiction. Yeah, like, oh, that's not really my baby. My, right. So the, mean, whole, the whole changeling idea. Exactly. Uh -huh. So um, women, pretty as long as they hang on to the kid, right, and don't let somebody sneak in and take it away, um, they always know that their child is theirs. And biologically speaking, men don't. This is just, they, uh, they assume, they hope, or they do something about it, which is lock up the woman in or, you know, put a ring around her finger and say, now you are uh, to stay in this tower, right? The story of Rapunzel That's is a, basically a story of of this sort of thing, right? Um, uh, it, we did a Reading Short and Deep episode on it. And Eric, who is always talking about sex, <laughs> pointed out all the really weird ideas that are going on in it. And it's really just true. I mean, the fact that there's cravings for some weird uh, grass, uh, you know. It's mm -hmm. uh, that, that actually is the girl's name. Rapunzel is a root, right? Like this is this is totally a sex story. I, you don't see that in the kids' version, right? It's a super sex story. It's it's all about <laughs> genetic reproduction and the fact that w women always know who their babies are and men don't fundamentally changes the relationship between men and women. And if you don't acknowledge that, then you're denying reality because there are uh, that's the motivation behind horrible uh, practices around the world. Men, it's easy to spread their genetic material without cost, and it's difficult for women to uh, spread their m genetic material. It's fundamentally costing, and that's where the whole cuckoo thing comes in, right? Cuckoo bird comes into the... Uh, cuckoo bird sees a nest, right? Goes down, sees some eggs, and kicks them out, uh, drops its own eggs, flies away. Bird comes back uh, to its nest, it sees some eggs, and sits on them. And then after they open up, they have to go and get a whole bunch of food for this uh, animal, right? Mm -hmm. This not their own. And it's very costing to birds to, you know, go get food that you would normally be eating for yourself and then deposit it in the mouths of their babies, Right. Um, it, it's like it, it damages their health. It's, it's uh, genetically costing or physically costing. And so 
that fact is a fact for humans too, at least in less plentiful times. And that's why, you know, divorces are more common uh, because it, it's much easier to get away from a horrible person if you uh, have some sort of social safety net or something. I mean, it, everything I'm saying here is charged with uh, scariness for modern society, but it's based on biology that Larry Niven seems less less than anyone else in SF that I can tell um, is interested in actually exploring a little bit. And yeah, that's sexist, but I don't think this book is racist. So that's one charge that <laughs> it's not. Uh, so what do you think about all that? I just said uh, in defense of poor Larry Nevin. Cause he, he, people don't like him for, for all his sexism. I think it's not that I or, don't like is it him. sexism or sexist. I don't know. Uh, Sexist. I it, it, it colors my rereading of his work. Yeah, it, it, it colors my rereading of him. I mean, I mean, there, there. As you said, there's stuff in here that I completely and utterly love. I had forgotten some of the stuff. I mean, I remembered the basic plot, but I've forgotten stuff about that. There's stuff being tra- the, the the absurdity. They're being trapped in that police jail and trying to get yeah. out. That was I'm, funny. I, I, and yeah. and the whole. And this shadow square wire, and the and the flying building, and dragging the ship up up the mountain because they have to launch it out, and and just the mere immense size of the world. I mean, a the, rebirth of their of their lives. Yeah. It. I mean. I mean. I mean. The the se- the sex the sexist parts I can do without, but the the others the other parts I will happily. Uh, uh, put a ring around this. It's so, so uh-huh. yeah. Like I feel like that too. Like I, I did like the story and and um, and all and the ideas, but but it did it, it. The sexist parts were disconcerting. Like there is a fundamental um, disregard for women in this book. That you know, or 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 or. Um, like lessering, a lessering just, of women. Is that just because he's a he's a man and he could like if you if you read Hal Clement right the yeah. the we did. there were no women there were the, no women there are no women at all right so that issues set aside and and basically they're all Hal, little Hal Clements right everybody's sort of just a reasonable you know low affect uh, dude who likes to think about stuff and then you've got uh, this guy who is. Uh, you know, obviously interested in sex, um, but he's also a man, and he we can never get inside other people's heads. So when I read books written by women, I'm getting a woman's perspective on reality, right, in, in that fiction. Mm-hmm. When I read a book written by a man, I'm getting a man's perspective on that reality. And I think that I mean, some people, they, they do this exercise where they say, I want to read more books by women or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I say, I just want to read good books. Uh, I happen to find that most of them are read by men, uh, not read by men, written by men. But I think that it's just because there's more male writers in the genres that I'm interested in. Probably. Um, and uh, because I, I do like some, like I think Ursula Le Guin's can be good. I'm not a big fan of everything she's written. Um, and there are others, um, and especially in short stories, there's lots of good stuff. Um, but I think that when you do this exercise in making a bunch of characters, including ones who aren't your own gender, you're going to uh, 
be unable to fully um, model. But that's true. But there's a callousness. He had there's a callousness about his female characters. They're not well developed, and they're kind of plot movers as opposed to people. I don't remember any in Protector. I don't remember Protector that well, other than being blown away by the ideas. So uh, I'm interested to find out what happens there. There are two major women characters in this book. One of them is, uh, like Louis, very uh, experienced, old, right? Lots of life experience. um, But she's also at a disadvantage um, that she's been without technology for a long time. And they said she was insane, right? She thought she was a goddess, uh, for a long while and you know I guess if you've been worshipped for a long time um, you might come to that conclusion <laughs> as well um, they they do talk about that you're right Paul, uh, the god gambit yep. a few times right um, and uh, I'm sure uh, Mice's um, federation uh, <laughs> non-violation of that's right what, what's that rule um, time directive Prime the prime director. How many times did they violate it? They kept violating it because every time they meet a new community, they're beyond <laughs> communication range, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And they go down and they say, look. Speaker to animals is a is a male god, right? I don't think it counts on this world though, because this is not an emerging <laughs> technology. These people were placed here already. It's already artificially. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ah, that's, that's very worldist of you because uh, just because their world isn't shaped like a ball, you I, think I that... cannot perceive of this world or its inhabitants. <laughs> uh. That that I understand. Uh, um, well, I think I, I would I wouldn't say I need to reread the Ring of World Engineers, but I think he does some f- more interesting stuff with the vampires. What were the other groups in there? The vampires, the ghouls. There's a whole bunches of uh. Right. Uh, th- th- there's whole bunches of uh, hominids. We and- sort of get that sense with the sunflowers, right? That that because of the lack of diversity um, that's planted on the ring world to begin with, humans sort of uh, flower into different kinds of groups. Is well, that yeah? Th- 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 there's enormous speciation for humans on on the ring world. And we didn't see very up- many, though, did we? Like no, no, we, not in this one. Not in this book. No, the, no. The, the sequels go really deep into whole sorts of different kinds of humans. There's humans that live in the seas and are amphibious now. There's humans that just eat grass. And I remember that uh, Larry Niven bribes them with uh, Boston lettuce, basically. <laughs> I, I, it was just like. And, I like and, that you say it's Larry Niven who does that. No, no, no you're right. Louis, Louis, you're right. Louis, you know, b- bribes them with Boston lettuce. God eats well, I believe is the phrase. That sticks wow. in my brain. So yeah, that's fun. They're making me want to read it again. It's it's unfortunately uh, more l- l- less diamond, more chap than this one. But this is so diamond. I got. I, I, know, I know, but it, it falls off in the sequels, man, pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, yeah, I think I read Engineers with Gusto, and then I, I guess it was another nineteen years or so when the next one came out. I think there's four Ringworld books proper right? yeah and then there's a couple newer ones that he co-wrote yeah we're, no but like you know there's sort of i think there's fleet of worlds books right that's that are, what i was thinking yeah the, but those i don't think they go to the ring world there uh yeah they do or do they, they? Or okay. they come back yeah it, i like, reviewed one of them and the author the co-author didn't like my review well, <laughs> well. <laughs> it's because it wasn't i'm saying this is no ring world basically <laughs> well it, well you're absolutely right it was it's not <laughs> 
you know, that's what happens when you mine the same shaft for ever, right? Yeah. It starts to get depleted. You get to the you get to the core. The what? So, what you found you the get to the thing world foundation material, and and you then got nowhere to go. All you can do is use the Chilton Brung to throw yourself <laughs> away from this thing as far as possible. But readers should read or listen to this first one at the very yeah. end. Yeah. One and done it. One and done it. Mm. Are we one and done? I think, I think so. All right. It's almost Good here. job. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Oh, no, we're, we're just making Ringworld references. Oh, okay, okay. Because oh, oh, you weren't playing with the, the, the Shadow Square Wire. Exactly. Don't play with that, son! <laughs> <laughs> You'll lose all your fingers. You'll shoot your eye out. And don't let that lady in the, in the police station touch you. Yeah, don't. Oh, whoa, wait, 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 don't I want that? <laughs> if she touches you just here and there and here. You'll be her slave. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we should save that for the podcast. I, I have things <laughs> to right. talk about. Okay, let's get started. Here we go.